Hello there, friend. This is Jerry Tyson in the Beacon's Light. Make sure you get your all-access pass to the online Summer Prophecy Conference to take place July 30th through August the 7th. The online conference is on demand. That means that you can watch when you want, where you want, and as often as you want between July 30th and August the 7th. Get your all-access pass and learn from Billy Crone, Todd Friel, Bill Federer, Greg Patton, Bob Cornuke, Larry Spargimino, Michael Smith, Rabbi Kurt Schneider, Dr. Kenneth Hill, and James Collins. Hours and hours of prophecy teaching that you don't want to miss. The Summer Prophecy Conference, online and on demand. Get your all-access pass today. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com and click on Conferences. You can also register by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We live in a very interesting period of history. Never before has there been such an abundance of conveniences. Think about the automobile you drive, the appliances we use daily, the stores or online outlets where we can shop and have our purchases delivered to our door by FedEx. Your mother or your wife didn't have to custom make your clothes, but you got them at the local store right off the rack. We most likely never give a thought when we flip a light switch and the lights go on. Surely we think about them when they don't go on, but that is seldom. We know there is a hospital or clinic close by and we lose no time getting there in case of an emergency. You can make a longer list, then sit back and think about it. We are spoiled beyond words. At the same time, we're seeing more unrest and turmoil than ever before. It is not even a possibility that all of it is a natural progression. But surely we can point fingers in several directions to people who instigate others to actions that are not in the best interest of the rest of us. They can be neighbors, members of various organizations that exist for only one reason, to cause trouble, or politicians many of whom seem to be working for the government of an enemy, not for our best interests. One of the key results is that we are all on edge, waiting for another shoe to drop. We're nervous and insecure, living behind masks, fearing to go outside, wondering if the person next to us has a deadly disease they're going to spread to us. We're seeing a result of apprehension and fear permeating our society to a level never known before. All of us are affected to some degree. We find an interesting verse in Isaiah 57:21. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. For the sake of context, let's go back to verse 15 where God declares his holiness and, thus, his qualifications to be God. 
For thus saith the High and Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend for ever, neither will I always be wroth, for the spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth, and smote him, I hid me, and was wroth, and he went on frowardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, and will heal him. I will lead him also, and restore comforts unto him, and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. The promise of an eternity with the holy creator God of the universe is an incredible thing to consider. If an envelope arrived with the unmistakable return address of the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., it's safe to imagine it would create quite a stir at your home, whether the current occupant of the White House is a favorite or not. When opened, if it contained a personally signed invitation to meet with and spend the evening with the President of the United States, it's safe to say a chain of events would follow that would include clearing everything on the schedule that might be in conflict, new clothes, hair appointments, brush-ups on protocol, and more than a few times of rereading the letter just to be sure it really said what you thought it did. There would be anxious anticipation and expectation as the date approached. Now, compare that with this. The Lord of glory invites us to spend not just an evening, but all of eternity with him in his incredible heaven. He said, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. The one who has realized his sinfulness and confessed it before God, accepting the salvation he offers, qualifies for that incredible future. The high and holy place has never seen sin within its boundaries since Satan and one-third of the angels who rebelled were cast out. The ones who will dwell there with God have been cleansed and purified. In 1 Corinthians 15, 49 through 54 is a fantastic passage, and it's almost beyond comprehension. Now, as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, 
and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. When Christ takes his bride, that's those of us who have put our trust in him for eternal forgiveness of sin and for our personal salvation, when he takes us to heaven, there will be a total makeover, new body, new desires, new appearance, new vitality, no more scars, gray hair, no false teeth. We will be changed. We will no longer be mortal human flesh. Even better, the human nature that makes us want to sin will be gone. Death is swallowed up in victory. What a wonderful concept. It doesn't just tell us to stop worrying about death, but it assures us that death is a totally conquered foe. There will be peace and victory over every enemy. But wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The focus of these thoughts is not on the victory of that future day when Jesus comes to rapture us from this life. Those who have not placed their faith and complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will not even get a glimpse of that peace or victory. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3 paints a completely different picture. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. But... You could have, but the wicked, but your iniquities. Someone long ago penned the words, the saddest words of tongue or pen, it might have been. Sin separates. It separates friends, husbands and wives, children, parents, neighbors. That separation may be a willful lack of contact, or it may be divorce, imprisonment, or even death. Our sin is the barrier between us and God that even God himself cannot take down. He did all he could to make it possible to remove it from us as far as the east is from the west. When Christ took our sins on himself and died in our place, but not even God can take that sin away from us without our asking him to do so. He gives us the choice to have our sins forgiven, but no matter how much he loves us and wants us to turn to him, he will not force his will on us. There are untold millions on planet Earth who have heard that God loves them and wants them to be his child through faith in Christ, but hearing is not enough. They must make the first move. They must ask for the forgiveness. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. 
Most people recoil at the thought of being called wicked. But what else can we be when compared to a pure and holy God? We must see ourselves as God sees us before we can see what God wants to see when he sees us. Until we recognize our condition, we have no hope. If you have ever been at one of our seacoasts after a major storm churned up the shoreline, you know how much debris can be scattered on the sand. Hurricane Irene did that in August of 2011, and this writer saw firsthand the mess, not only on the shore, but still in the water, sloshing back and forth with the waves that had gone far beyond their normal boundaries, just waiting for the next tide to carry it to shore. It's not a pretty sight. A storm destroying all within its path is not a picture of peace. Those who are in the path of a hurricane or tornado do not typically lie back in their easy chair to take a nap. Tension is high. Fear and uncertainty are the order of the moment. There is no peace. The unsaved person, even though seemingly enjoying life, may never admit it, but he knows the future is something to fear. God has placed within each of us a conscience that accuses us of our sin like a prosecuting attorney. We may ultimately develop a deaf ear and turn off that still small voice, or we can hear it. It's a personal choice. God will not force his will upon us. It's bad enough to live with fear and the lack of peace, but God's word has yet one more thing to say to make leaving this life without God's salvation that much more frightening. Revelation 20, 10 through 15 paints a terrible picture. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Why is there no peace for the wicked? There's the answer. The biblical description of hell is bad enough. Add to that the ultimate reality of hell. Satan and all of his fallen angels as its primary residence and all whose names are not written in the book of life are going to be cast into the lake of fire. If you've ever suffered a burn, you know how painful it is. To spend all of eternity in liquid fire with no hope of an end of it is impossible to comprehend, but it is possible to avoid. First John the little letter written by the Apostle John is found near the end of the Bible, and it says in chapter 1, 
verses 5 through 10. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Later, in chapter 3, verse 8, we read, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Chapter 4, 8 through 10, further explains, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 5, 11-13 says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Before you convince yourself that there is no hope, Take heart. There is hope. His name is Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16:31. In the Beacon's Light is a production of Beacon Street Media. Feel free to contact us at www.swrc.com. This is Jerry Tyson reminding you that when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins.